Then be seated, if you would, band and praise team. Thank you so much for uh, for leading us in worship. And I'm going to ask you to take your Bible out today, if you have not already, and turn to First Thessalonians. Chapter 5. Today we end our series, five weeks in this book, uh, one week per chapter. Last week we actually did part of verse, uh, part of chapter 5. And if you're brand new to our church or maybe you forgot your Bible, our ushers are going to come down the aisle uh, and they've got Bibles. If you forgot one, if you need one, take one. Uh, it's been a real joy at our church to give away Bibles every week so that people can have one in their hands and study with us as we study. Uh, like I said, if you have a Bible at home and you just forgot it, just throw it on the ushers table when you leave. Uh, if, uh, if you don't have a Bible and you need one, just wait at one of our ushers, um, and they will give you one. Robbie, I'm not sure if anyone went down that aisle, so you might check, or we might have somebody. If anyone on this side needs a Bible, just wave at us, and we'll, we'll make sure and, uh, and get you one. Uh, and today we come to the very last message of a series that we titled 2012. Uh, and the whole thought, the whole premise of this series was that this year might be our best year spiritually ever. I want you to think back in your head for a minute. And, and I used to, when I was in youth ministry, I used to ask teenagers to do this all the time. I want you to think back to the time in your life when you were most passionate spiritually. I want you to think back to the time in your life when you were most on fire spiritually. I want you to think back to the time uh, in your life when you were most engaged spiritually. I want you to think back to what in your mind would be described as the best spiritual time of your life. And if you were to rate that time in your life spiritually as a 10, what would you rate yourself today? Would it be an 11? You know, I think back and that time was great, but this is greater. Would you be a 5? Would you be a 1? Would you be a 0? Are you totally unplugged? Have you totally, you know, gone backwards from where you were spiritually? Because my hope for our church this year is, is that this year, 2012, uh, if you were asked that question at the end of the year, that you'd be able to say this year, actually, this was the best year spiritually of my life up to this point, And hopefully 2013 will be better. That's the goal of this series. And I think today's message, uh, our Bible study today in First Thessalonians 5, I think this message has more truth to change our mindset and our focus and perspective than any other message of the series. And in fact, I've gone and I've looked at chapter one, chapter two, chapter three and chapter four, and I don't think anything has the capability to impact us spiritually like today's Bible study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in just a few minutes, verses 16 through 18. Uh, but I want to set the thought up with, uh, with this thought. My mom and dad are here today. Uh, those of you who have been with us for a while, you've seen them a few times on grand opening and even some of our preview services. But I was thinking back this year uh, to a, a conversation that I had with my dad that uh, he doesn't remember. I talked to him today and tried to convince him of this, and he couldn't remember it because he's, he's nicer than I am, and he doesn't remember when I'm being a spoiled brat. Uh, but when I was in college, like, uh, and some of you were in college, uh, but when I was in college, I never had enough money, uh, you know, to, to do laundry, to go out to eat, to get gas. I mean, college kids, at least I was, just, I, I just felt like I was always broke. And I would come home and I'd work all summer. I actually worked road construction for the county. We laid asphalt and put up guardrails. And I, I would make as much as I could during the summer, working four 10-hour days. And then I would go and, and literally have a year to spend that at college. And, and when it was gone, it was gone. And I remember one particular year that, uh, that somehow I had blown through all my money by, by real close to Christmas break. Uh, and I didn't have an entire, I didn't have a real long time over Christmas break to make that money back. And I had a roommate who came from a real wealthy family uh, in California, and, and his mom and dad were always funneling him cash. And, I mean, this guy just always had money to do stuff. And I remember one day, I mean, my mom and dad bought me a car. They, I mean, I, I never was hurting 
But I remember one day having a bad attitude thinking, you know, I don't have enough. I'm out of money. I need more money. My mom and dad should give me money. And I began to talk to them about, you know, I need you. Basically, I need you to give me money. Um, and I started getting into a debate about money. And it got to the point where, you know, you made your money, you spent your money, you've got to be more responsible. Uh, and some of you know, I played football in college. Uh, I got a scholarship. And, and I thought that day, uh, in my selfish mode, um, that uh, I was something real special. And I remember asking my, my dad in the course of this conversation, I said, do you realize how much money I have saved you by getting a scholarship to college? And he responded to me by punching me in the face. No, he, he didn't do that. My dad would never do that. I'm sure that's what he thought. But his response was this, and he doesn't remember saying it, but he said this. Now, my dad was my football coach, my best friend. I mean, not just my football coach, but literally my, my personal quarterback coach from third grade on up taught me everything I knew about the game of football. And he responded to my question. Do you realize how much money that I've saved you by getting a scholarship? Uh, by saying, do you realize uh, how much all the hours I've put into coaching you would have cost if I would have made you pay for them? And I thought... Touche. Uh, you know, I will. You're right. I'll go get a job. Well, what what dad was saying to me at the time is he was saying he was saying this. Here's what I want you to catch this morning. And he didn't say this, but here's what he was saying. Christian, right now, you neither recognize nor are thankful for everything that I did in your life to get you to this point. You only see your present circumstance and your need. And I felt like as I got ready to prepare our text this week, that our Heavenly Father has a similar message spiritually for us today. I think our Heavenly Father wants to come down to the church in 2012 and to the Christians in church in 2012. And he wants to say, you know, children, I look at your lives, I look at your attitudes, I look at the way you see life, I look at the things you want, the things you don't have, I look at the condition of your heart, and sometimes I think you fail to both recognize uh, and you fail to be thankful for all the good things that I have given you to get you to this point in your life. And that's what today's message really in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is, is all about. And here's what I need this to be about for you. I need for you, I need this message today to be about you. I don't need you to think about some ungrateful person in your head right now. I actually, when I started putting together this message, I started listing out all the ungrateful things my children have done. Because if you're like me and you have kids under the age of 12, they're like the most ungrateful little critters in the world. And I thought, you know, I'm going to tell all the things my kids did that are ungrateful. And God stopped me and God said, no, 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 no. Don't talk about your kids, Christian. Talk about you because you're really ungrateful. And you're not thankful for a lot of the things that I do for you. So I, I want today to be about you not somebody else, as we jump into this story uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And there's only three verses. These are like really short. This is going to be one of the shortest texts that we'll read as we study this series. And I gave you, uh, as you walked in, the usher should have handed you a little card that looks like this and a pen so you could take some notes today. And boy, today is a note-taking message. You need to hear some of these verses today. Uh, and you need, to, you need to check. All of us today need to check our attitudes spiritually and see if we're living in thankfulness towards God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He wraps up the letter by saying this. Really pretty simple. Three verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it again because it's only three verses. Be joyful always. Pray continually. I want you to read this next verse with me out loud. Starting now. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Say that, say that verse again out loud. 
give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. One more time. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. I want to ask you this morning, February 5th, 2012, are you thankful today towards God? Do you live with an attitude and a posture of being thankful to what God has done in your life? Or are you the opposite of thankful? Are are you living in bitterness today? Or are you living in entitlement today? Today we're going to take this text and we're going to look at the challenge to be thankful. And we're going to see three things that the Bible says happen when we live a life in thankfulness towards God. And I want to be honest, this message this week has challenged me all week long. Bad attitudes, um, you know, bitterness, entitlement. All week long, this message has, has kind of hit me in the face of, Christian, you're not thankful, you're not thankful, you're not showing enough gratitude, you're entitled, you're bitter, you're selfish. All week long, this message has been ministering to me. So I hope it does the same for you that it ministers to you. When we're thankful towards God, first and foremost, according to the Bible, when we're thankful towards God, it blesses God. God enjoys our thankfulness. God appreciates our thankfulness. And as a matter of fact, if you read through the Old Testament, there's a lot more said in the Old Testament about about our relationship with God than there is in the New Testament. New Testament's a lot about our Christian walk, our relationship with others. Old Testament is all about us and our relationship to God. And the Old Testament teaches us, if it teaches us anything, the Old Testament teaches us anytime we approach God, anytime we come to God in prayer, anytime we come to God in church, anytime we want to interact with God, the proper attitude to approach God with is an attitude of thankfulness. Psalm 95.2 says, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So why do we start church with music? Because that's what the Bible says, that when we approach God, we want to do it with thanksgiving and music and in song. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates. People would come from all over Israel to the temple three times a year. When they got to the temple, they would walk through the gates of Jerusalem to go to the temple. And the Bible says, when you finally get to Jerusalem, when you finally get near to God, enter his gates with, what's the word? Thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 147.7 talks about a service, an Old Testament service, and it says, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. Every time in the Old Testament we're told how to approach God, we're told to approach God with a heart of thankfulness. First thing we should ever say to God when we see him is, hey, thank you. Not I need, I need or need or what happened here, but thank you. A heart of thankfulness makes God want to be in our presence. You know, our mission statement as a church, if, uh, if, if you've been around long, you've heard this. Our church exists to see people who are far from God. And some of those people are totally unchurched, never been to church, are not Christians. But there are Christians, believe it or not, who are living a long distance away from God. We want to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And that word passion is important to us. And, you know, there's lots of ways to gauge the passion of Christians when you watch them live their life, when you watch them serve, when you see the things that are important to them and the things that aren't important to them. But one way to gauge the passion level of a church, and this isn't the only way, but one way to gauge it, is by watching and listening during the worship time. And if you were here on September 18, 2011, when we started our church, and you were here this morning, you would already see the, the, the temperature, the passion temperature in our room raising because people are getting more comfortable in church. They're getting more familiar with God. 
and they're realizing that our worship time is a spiritual exercise. The first Sunday, it was kind of like a show. Everyone stood with their hands in their pocket, just kind of watched, wondered why it was so loud, didn't know most of the songs that we sang. Um, and, you know, it was more an audience than participation. And today while we were singing, especially those last two songs, you could, I could actually hear people singing around me. Now, maybe it's because I got a, a row of Calvary students behind me who are probably pretty passionate Christians. That always helps me because I can hear them worshiping behind me. But when you, when you walk in and you see a church that's a worshiping church, people who are new to church or looking for a church will walk in and they'll see a level of passion that exists. And here's the cool thing about our church. Our church is only four months old. The people in this room get to set the culture and the passion of what our church is. In the next several years, hundreds and thousands of people will visit our church and they're going to see in our church the level of passion that you have. Not me, but you. They're going to watch you take notes. They're going to see if you have your Bible. They're going to watch you worship. And they're going to come away thinking, man, these people are really serious about what they do or these people don't care much about what they do. So it blesses God to be thankful, and it shows other people passion when we're thankful. But true thankfulness, when we look at it biblically, is always expressed verbally. You say, well, I'm really thankful. I really love God. I just don't say much about it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when your heart is truly thankful, you do say something about it. You do sing something about it. Luke 6.45, Jesus specifically said, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil things stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth, what? Speaks. Give thanks. Let's people know that we're appreciative who God is and what he's done in our life. Man, that, um, I started crying during that that last song, How Marvelous, How Wonderful. Because these are not just songs to me that I recite in my head. Jan, do do you have that on the screen where you can flip back through that song? Go to like the first verse of that song. And I don't even know what it is. Go right there. That last line. Those last two lines. Man, I read that and I didn't see it, but I thought about it. I thought, man, that's huge. That's huge that God looks at my life. I sometimes wonder how God can love me because I am such a dirty, rotten, selfish, entitled person. And I saw those words and I just started crying because I thought he does. God knows me. And he doesn't hate me. He loves me. That's a big deal. I I am amazed at that, like that song says. And, And I struggled to even say thank you because my heart was just so full. But the Bible says when your heart is full, your mouth speaks. In Luke chapter 17, I'm not going to read the entire text. But Jesus in the New Testament has a colony of lepers because lepers were already always separated. They had a disease that couldn't be healed, that was very contagious. And when you got it, you had leprosy until you died. And a colony of lepers, ten of them came up to him and begged him to heal him. And he did. And he said, now go present yourself to the priest. And they took off to present themselves. And as they went, they were healed. And one, only one of the ten, came back to Jesus and said, thank you. Thank you. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he looked at the man. He said, where's the other nine? Like, I helped all of you. And only one said, thank you. You know, I look across the people in the church and I know all of you could say, at least in your heart, you think, man, God's been good to me. Are you the, the 10% that says thank you? Or are you the nine that forget to stop and be thankful and bless God? You know, it hurts when you do something for somebody. And they don't express their thankfulness. This hurts your heart. And Danielle and I found this out the, the weird way a few years ago. 
Um, you know, we, we wrote our letters to the North Pole, and, and uh, we allowed, when our kids were young, we allowed Santa to bring all their gifts. And Danielle and I would just bring a, a few gifts here and there. And as our kids got to like six and seven, we realized, you know, they would open all their gifts under their tree, and they would, you know, just be so excited and want to play. And I remember one year particularly, they got done, and we said, you know, guys, like, aren't you going to say thank you? And Christian looked, and he said, well, you didn't get any of them. And I thought, kid, buddy, if you don't want me to ruin what you know about Santa Claus right now, you better say thank you to your dad. So I told Danielle, here's what we're going to do next year. Next year, we're going to write Santa, and we're going to let Santa get the M&Ms in the stocking. But the Xbox comes from me, darn it, because that kid is going to know that I got it, and he's going to say thank you. Because it's hard when you give someone so much. Do I need to switch to a different microphone? I sound like I'm popping all over the place up here. Am I okay? Uh, because it hurts when you give someone so much and they just ignore you or they don't thank you. And I think some of us live with, with an entitlement that God has been so good to us and we've not recognized that it's him. God has been so good to us and we've not stopped to say thank you. And then when God wants something from us, it's like, you know, we're busy. And what have you done to do any of this, God? And it hurts when you do something nice for someone and, and they don't express their thankfulness. So thankfulness, the Bible says, blesses God. And as a church, we can be thankful today and show our thankfulness and bless God by being thankful. But number two, here's a big thing. Man, and this is where God's been working on me. When we live with a spirit of thankfulness, the Bible says that it helps our attitudes. It makes us better people to be around. It's, it's really interesting. If you talk to people today, probably the most sought-after thing in the world, uh, you know, you hear the, the pageant answer of, you know, the, the Cold War era, you know, if you could have anything in the world, what would you want? Everyone said world peace. The most sought after thing in the world is not world peace. It's inner peace. People just want to be at peace with their self, with their life, with their mistakes, with their future. People want to be at rest internally. In the Bible, it's interesting because in Isaiah 26, 3, it's a great verse about having inner peace. The Bible says you'll keep him in perfect peace who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed in you. The Bible says that God can give you this perfect attitude, really per having inner peace is an attitude more than a circumstance. Because Paul, when he was in jail, horrible circumstance, said, I am perfectly content. Uh, and other people, when they have more than enough, are not at peace because they only want a little more. So per inner peace is an attitude. It's not a circumstance. It's an attitude. But what we find out is, according to Scripture, the thing that brings perfect peace is thankfulness. It's our mindset. It's being thankful of where we are, who we are, what we've been through, what we're facing, being thankful in, in the time, in the day. Thankfulness, believe it or not, is the cure for bitterness. You know, when you look at people who are bitter about everything, they're thankful about very little. People who are thankful about everything are bitter about very few things. But you find someone who's always bitter and you can look at him and say, you know, they're not very thankful about what they have in life. Colossians 3.15 and Philippians 4 both talk about having peace, and, it, and they both say that peace comes from having thankfulness. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Colossians 3.15 says, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. You want to have peace in your heart? Turn your bitterness away, take your entitlement away, and start being thankful. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want to have peace? Pray and be thankful. 
Be thankful for what God has done in your life, and you can have peace. You know, the opposite of being thankful, and I want you to write this word down, is entitlement. And entitlement says, God owes me. That's what entitlement says. That's where bitterness, the root of bitterness is you feel like God owes you something that he hasn't given you. And I'll tell you what, my life changed about three and a half years ago. I made a a surprising reality about ministry, about doing ministry, about the result of ministry. Uh, And that, that reality was this. God doesn't owe me anything. The Bible, never one time does the Bible say that God owes you anything. You should write that down on your notes. God doesn't owe me anything. Because some of us in here today are mad at people and mad at God and mad at bosses and mad at employees and mad at employers because we feel like we're owed something. And ultimately, that heart of ingratitude reflects back on God. God, you should change this. God, you should do something about this. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say that God owes us anything. It does say that we owe him everything. And, you know, this week uh, I had a bad attitude about something right in the midst of putting together our message, our study for this week, uh, I was really unthankful. I was bitter, and I was entitled about something that God got my attention on. You know, uh, two years ago, I lived in Kansas, uh, and I've moved to Missouri, and I had to get my car registered in Missouri for the first time. Uh, And in Kansas, you take a sheet of paper to the DMV, and they put a stamp on it, and, and they just, you know, your car's registered for the year. In Missouri, you have to get an inspection. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You remember those inspection days. So we took Daniel's car in, and the inspection came back, and it was $12. You're inspected. Go get registered. We took my car in, which has 210,000 miles on it, and it's kind of old. And they came back with, well, you know, your car didn't pass the test. So what's that mean? I said, well, you, you can't go, like, get your car registered without fixing these things. So how much does it cost? And they told me how, it co- how much it costs, and I was like, oh, no. I don't want to pay that. This car's old. I don't want to pay that. They're like, well, you you have to pay that to get your car registered or drive around with expired tags or you have to do something. And we we had had a mix-up with our church staff uh, in the beginning of the new year. Our payroll company contacted us two weeks ago, and they said, hey, for 2012, we had your withholdings messed up a little bit. So like three of our pastors got a couple hundred dollars back that they just sent us in the mail because they had done some things wrong and actually had that sitting in an account. But I was going to use that money to pay for Christian's baseball. My son plays competitive baseball. If your kids play competitive sports, uh, you know that they're going to break you financially one day, and you'll probably, they'll never be grateful or thankful for that either. So, you know, I had this money sitting in an account, and they tell me, you know, your car's going to cost this much, and I've got my car to fix, and I've got this money that I've just had, but I'm going to use it for baseball. Um, and Daniel says, look, you've got, to get, you've got to get your car fixed. So I told him, fix the car. So they fixed the car. I went and I paid for the car. I paid for the car with money that I did not have three days before because the Lord worked it out where I had it then. And all the way home, I was mad. You know, God, I can't believe I, you know, I had to do this. And I started a church. And why can't my stupid car work? And I quit my job. And, you know, God, why are you taking advantage of me like this? And God said, well, what about that money I gave you? So I was going to use that for baseball, God. I wasn't planning on using that. And you know what God said to me? He said, man, you, you do not know how to recognize a blessing, do you? Because I blessed you with this, because I knew this was coming. And you're acting like a spoiled brat. See, the truth is, God will provide the money for baseball when baseball comes, because that's what God does. But I was an entitled, spoiled brat, complaining to God about a blessing that he had given me. You know, Philippians 2.14 is a verse that you need to write down. It's pretty short. They're going to put it on the screen. 
Paul says it pretty simply, and it's something that every Christian needs to hear. Do everything without complaining and arguing. You need to write that, you need to write that verse down. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Say, what's everything? That includes everything. Do everything without complaining and arguing. In fact, the Bible says that complaining and not being thankful comes from an ungrateful. And, and what the Bible says is, is a foolish part. Give me that one. Thanks. In uh, Romans one twenty one, here's what the Bible says. For all day they knew God, as people like us. We know who God is. We know what God does. They didn't glorify him as God, nor did they give thanks to him. They weren't thankful for what he'd done. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They're people who knew God, but never thanked him for anything. They're people who complained about everything. You know what? My perspective changed on Wednesday this week. I got a call on Wednesday from a great friend of mine in this church who's been a tremendous mentor and friend for the, the past almost 14 years. And I got a call on Wednesday that he had literally out of nowhere been called in and fired. And he lost his job. And man, we prayed through tears and just what was going on and, you know, what are we going to do? And I mean, it, it was a crisis, a 30-minute emotional crisis of what am I going to do? I just lost my job. And within 24 hours, I was talking to someone else in our church who was complaining about their job that they still had, that they were still being paid for. And you know what I thought? But what would you think if you had gone through those two phone calls? What would you think on the second phone call? At least you have a job. You see, you're ungrateful and, and you're complaining. And this is an issue not between you and your job. You don't. This is an issue between you and God. You're ungrateful. You're not thankful. And see, God has been telling me all week long areas that me personally am not thankful, that, that I'm not thankful in. This has prayed the way that, that uh, this has changed the way that I pray before I eat food. Uh, because I, as, as an American like you, uh, I've been entitled to three meals a day. I never even don't, I, I don't ever think about being hungry or not having some kind of food. I've, I've never even thought, what am I going to do if I don't have food today? And you know how I used to pray? Because I believe that when you eat, you ought to pray quick because you're supposed to eat, not have a prayer meeting. So, I, you know, I would get in front of my food and I'd say, Lord, bless the food. Amen. And you know what God showed me one day after I'd been working on some mission stuff and I'd been talking to some of the people we provide food for? I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't even stop to say thank you for my food. I just ask God to bless it. And if you eat with me now, I've changed the way that I pray for my food. And I always say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for the food. Forgive me for being an entitled jerk and asking you to bless it instead of just saying thank you. You've already given it to me. That is a blessing. Thank you. It's interesting. We learn that little prayer, some of us, when we're young. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. You know, the, uh, the, in the Greek language, which the Bible was originally written in, the word for, uh, for gift is the word charis. It's also the exact same word in the Greek language for grace. Uh, you, you, have you ever sat around a dinner table and instead of someone saying, hey, who's going to pray? Say, hey, who's going to say grace? That came from, hey, who's going to say thanks for the gift? Who at the table wants to say thanks for the gift? You see, we've quit saying thanks for the gift of health, of food, of education, 
of running water, of clean drinking water, of, of the jobs that we may hate, but they pay us. We've quit being thankful. And we don't recognize gifts anymore. We only complain about our lack of blessing. And it's interesting because as you study the Bible, the scope of the Bible is about the human condition and human relationships, specifically our relationship to God and our relationship to other people. And what the Bible teaches us is that if we'll have a thankful heart in all situations, that's what Paul said. Paul said, be thankful in every situation. Say, even if my Jayhawks lost to the Tigers last night, Lord, you want me to be thankful? I don't know about that one. That might be outside the scope of of Scripture. The Bible says be thankful in all situations. You see, thankfulness teaches us to quit complaining about people. Thankfulness teaches us to quit arguing with people, according to Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing. See, thankfulness changes the human condition of our human relationships. And thankfulness changes us. It gives us a better attitude. When you become thankful, instead of entitled like I have been all week long about stuff, you know, I finally stopped complaining about getting my car inspected. And I finally started being thankful. And you know what? I quit caring about it. Didn't bother me anymore all week long. I just thought, you know what? It was taken care of, and I'm thankful. Do I wish that I could still get my car registered in Kansas? Yes. But am I bitter anymore? Just a little bit, and God will help me through that. Just a little bit. I want to be thankful. Thankfulness changes us. Thankfulness changes our attitudes. And when thankfulness begins to change a large enough portion of our heart and our life and our daily interactions, we actually become what the Bible calls worshipers. Thankfulness, number three, creates worship. It creates a life that continually gives thanks, gives praise, gives honor to God. It creates a life that screams, I'm thankful. Man, I'm just thankful for for who God is and what he does. And the Bible has a lot to say about about worship and thankfulness. In Ephesians 5.20, it's interesting, Paul, in almost every letter that Paul wrote to a church, he told them to be thankful. All the different churches he wrote to, in almost every letter, he told these churches, be thankful. Ephesians 5.20, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13.15, therefore by him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do. Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 1.12, always thanking the Father, always. He's enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a, what are the next two words there? Thankful heart. Do you have a thankful heart this morning about everything in your life? Do you have a thankful heart this morning about everything in your life, your family? Your past, your children, your job, your income, your lack of job, your lack of income, your calling, your health. Do you have your age? Do you have a thankful heart about everything in your life? Because at the beginning of this week, I did not. And you know what? Probably halfway through next week, I will not. But God certainly has my attention. Let me ask you this. When you pray, are you a worshiper or a whiner? You know the difference. When you pray, are you continually giving thanks for all the good things or are you whining about the bad things? Are you a worshiper or a whiner? Are you a taker or a thanker? God, thank you. God, thank you. God, thank you. Or God, give me. God, give me. God, give me. 
You see, having a thankful heart, according to the Bible, will change your life. In Psalm 136, I won't read it, but 12 times, 12 different times in one Psalm, Psalm 136, the Bible says, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for His mercy. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for His forgiveness. Give thanks to the Lord because He's Creator. Give thanks to the Lord because He loves us. Give thanks to the Lord because He hasn't destroyed you. Twelve times, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Have a thankful heart. Do everything without complaining and arguing. It's interesting. We talk about worship. We talk about worshiping. And I'm going to invite the band back up because we're actually going to close with some worship today. And we were singing a song that if, if you're not in a true, like, lifelong spirit of thankfulness, if you're maybe brand new to being a Christian or being thankful spiritually, this worship thing you don't understand. But when you see God as God truly is, when you see God as a loving Father who's, like, giving you everything that you need, it changes the way you view Him. It changes the way you worship. And we were singing that song that, that sounds a little awkward, unless you view God the proper way. We sang that song, Forever Rain. Started out, you are good, you are good. And then it says, I'm running to your arms. And you think, that's a little weird, you know, running to God's arms. Not really when you see him as father. You know, our kids get off the bus uh, right next door at our neighbor's house. We, we've got like a string of kids, six or seven houses, that dump in the driveway next to us. And every time I think about this song, I think about my kids, really all the kids in our neighborhood getting off the bus. Because here's what our kids are doing. They're all elementary school kids. And it's funny to watch. I wish you could be there to see it. But these kids get off the bus, and there's usually a collection of parents standing somewhere in a driveway or in the yard or just somewhere around. And these little kids, they get off the bus, whether it's raining, snowing, sunshine, and they usually aren't two steps into the driveway until they throw down their coats, they throw down their backpacks, and they race their running to the arms of their mom and dad. And they jump into the arms of their mom and dad and hug them after a long day of school. That's the picture of a Christian who sees God as a father. Who's just given them everything, just everything they could ever need or want. And they're thankful. Even in the hard times, they're thankful. It's a Christian who can't wait to run, just throw all the old stuff away, leave it on the driveway, and jump into God's arms and say, thank you. I love you. That's the thought of, of worship. It's not weird when you see it that way. You know, as a church, as Christians, all of us need to be more thankful, starting with me. You know, I, uh, I turned 34 yesterday, which it wasn't a big deal. Say, why? Because I was entitled. You know, you become an adult and it's like, ah, another birthday. So what, right? Getting older. Gray hair's coming soon. Can't lose weight as fast. You know, all the bad stuff. Got to sleep more. Uh, all the things that happen as you get old. And I knew this week, early in the week, I thought about turning 34. And I, and I literally, I mean, I was, I just, I, I didn't care. I didn't care that another year had come and gone until Monday morning. And Monday morning, I was, uh, I was reading, I always read Monday morning, I always read Peter King. He's a writer for Sports Illustrated. And he has a thing called Monday Morning Quarterback where he gives a review of the whole weekend in the NFL and a preview of the week. And I was reading through Peter King's article about the championship games and the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, and he started talking about a guy who used to play for the New Orleans Saints named Steve Gleason, who they're going to do a big feature on tonight before the Super Bowl. And this is a guy that if, if you watch football at all, a few years ago after Hurricane Katrina ran the uh, New Orleans Saints out of the Superdome, destroyed New Orleans, literally destroyed the city. And after two years, the Saints played their first game in the Dome against the Atlanta Falcons. 
And like on the very first series of the game, the Saints barged in, blocked a punt, uh, and the Saints scored. And they said to this day, it's still the highest decibel reading heard in any stadium anywhere. Just It was like New Orleans coming back to life at that moment. Steve Gleason was the guy who blocked the punt. And he played for eight years in the NFL, and, uh, and he retired a few years ago. And at the beginning of 2011, he was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, and he's going fast. He's going really fast. Uh, they uh, told the story how right as he found out, he and his wife had been trying to get pregnant forever, and they had started in vitro. And he found out he had Lou Gehrig's disease right before they were getting ready to do the in vitro fertilization. And he told his wife, do it anyway. You're strong enough. Do it anyway. When, you, when you're diagnosed with ALS, you're usually given three to five years to live. In the year that she was pregnant, he started creating a video diary for his baby that was on the way because they told him when the baby's born, you might not be able to speak. You might not ever be able to hold your child. And uh, they're going to do a, a, a deal on a Super Bowl tonight. He can't dress himself now. He's, he walks with a walker. They had him at the beginning of the season in September go out for the coin toss, and he could barely get out there. His teammates had to help him out for the coin toss. And in the article they said, he's 34. It's the first time this week that I thought I'm blessed to be 34 and healthy. And God, forgive me again for being a jerk. I'm just not thankful for anything. And I'm sorry. I'm a Christian who's lived with an entitled heart, selfish heart, I whine when I pray. I don't worship most of the time. I take when I talk to God. I don't thank most of the time. And I have asked God this week to change me, to make me a thankful Christian, to change my attitude, to live a life that would bless him, and to become a worshiper that in all things, everything, I might give thanks to my Heavenly Father. And that's my goal for you as we end this series, to live a life that just has a different attitude that is thankful. I'm going to ask you to do something we, we haven't done yet at our church. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And we're just going to end today's service with a little bit of worship by, by saying thank you. You can sing. You can not sing. If you don't like to sing, that doesn't mean you're not thankful. You don't love God. But some of you are brand new to this whole thing, and you didn't know that the whole worship thing was to say thank you. So today is your chance to learn to connect through worship and say thank you. And then after we're done, we'll go through our connection cards. We'll take the offering. But we serve a God who is good, who is life, who is peace. We deserve a God who deserves our thankful hearts and attitudes. So let's worship today. And then after we worship, we'll come back and close the service. And we'll, we'll be out early today. God, we love you. And Lord, we want to be thankful. And we're not always thankful. And I pray that you'll forgive us when we're entitled, when we're bitter, when we're selfish. I am so often. Forgive me. But God, help us to be thankful. Help us to live with a spirit of worship in our lives. And change us through this spirit. Change us, Lord. Make us better people. Make us people that love you more, thank you more, worship you more. And let our church culture be one of gratitude and thankfulness for who you are. And Lord, let this community see that. We're a church who recognizes God, loves Him, and worships Him. Lord, we love you. Bless our worship now, Lord. Accept it as our thanks this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Let's worship with Danielle. You are good. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love on this
Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray now together. Band, stay right where you are. PowerPoint folks, we're going to sing How Marvelous next. I just feel like as a church, we ought to worship one more song this morning. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I know there are some of you like me in here who this week have been less than thankful. Right now, you need to repent of that. What's repent mean? It means to confess it. Lord, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And right where you are in your seat, you don't have to pray it out loud, but right where you are, you just need to be honest with God. If you've been a jerk this week, just say, Lord, I'm sorry for being a jerk. If you've been complaining this week, Lord, I'm sorry that I always complain. If you've been arguing this week, Lord, I'm sorry that I always argue. If you've lived entitled and not even thought about all the goodness that God's given you, Lord, I'm sorry for being entitled. Today's the day we change the attitude of our heart. And we begin to live with thankfulness. We realize who God is and what He's been to us. The first step of that is recognition. Remember the story about my dad. Christian, you must not recognize all that I've done for you. A lot of us don't recognize what God has done for us. If you have healthy kids, if you have a good marriage, if you yourself are physically healthy, if you're employed, you have no clue. You are like in the top 1% of blessed people in this world. Got to be more thankful. God is a church. We want to be thankful people. And we want a culture of thankfulness and of gratitude and of worship to emanate from this church, to explode from these doors. We want to be different when we leave than when we came. Because our attitudes and our focus and our perspective has been shifted today. Lord, we are amazed when we really think about how you love us. We're amazed. Forgive us for not expressing it enough. Change our heart attitudes today as a church and as a people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the
glory, His face one day. We're going to see Him. When the ransomed in glory, His face I at last shall see. It'll be my choice. It'll be my joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. It'll be my joy through the ages. thankful for God today. Put your hands together for what He's done and let Him hear it. God, we're thankful. We love You. Let's change our hearts and our attitudes. Be seated real quick. Ushers, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Please take your connection card. Let us know that you're here today. If you're a first-time guest, thank you for being with us. Please fill this out. Let us know that you were here. If you're a second-time guest, let us know. If you're a regular, let us know. If you're a regular, let us know. If you're a regular, let us know. If you're a regular,